0: Last week we we touched on the church of Ephesus and we went through a few of the scriptures on Ephesus and we're not totally finished. But I also wanted to touch on another church that I felt uh, we we should emulate and that's the Philadelphian church. Amen. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7, Jesus in in his epistle to the Philadelphian church says this, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy... He that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth and no man and, and shutteth and no man openeth. You know what that tells me? As I've always said, blessing comes from God. Amen. You can't curse what God has blessed. If God has something for you and you are obedient and you are faithful, it is going to come to you. Nobody can take it, nobody can steal it, it's yours. That's why we don't have to look at what anybody else has. uh, Because if God has something for you, it's yours. Amen. That's why we can be happy when someone else is blessed. Because that's for them. God has got something for us. Hallelujah. It says that he's got the key that openeth and no man shutteth. Amen. And shutteth and no man openeth. And that's what we have to remember that... The scripture that came to me is, is, except the Lord build a house, they that labor, labor in vain. You see, you can do anything in flesh, but if God isn't in it, it will not be blessed. And so we want to submit our lives and everything we do in the hand of the Lord so that it will be effective. When Jesus first came to Peter, he had been fishing all night using his man-made skill. He was a fisherman so he knew what to do he'd been fishing all night but caught no fish but the moment Jesus came on the scene and said throw the net on the other side he said but Lord you know we've been fishing all night but when God is in it something miraculous can happen even if you've done it 10 times already if he says cast it on the right side then all you have to do is be obedient amen So we're going to look at the Church of Philadelphia because there was something unique about this church that got them a blessing and a praise from Jesus. Again, just like the other churches that we talked about, today they they would be in modern Turkey, in in the country of Turkey today. But back then it was called Asia Minor and it was ruled by the Romans. It was under uh, Roman rule. It was... Historically it had been independent but then when the Roman Empire came along uh, in about hundred years before Christ and they, they took it over and finally um, it was under the Roman rule. Now the origin of the name Philadelphus literally means one who loves his brother. And maybe that name for the city went to the church. Maybe they showed such love one unto another that that's why they were blessed. You know, wouldn't that be great if your church is known for loving one another, holding up one another, encouraging one another, amen? Rejoicing when our, when someone is blessed and mourning when they are hurting and being able to encourage them because when you're hurting, it hurts me, amen? It does, amen? I think that's what was wonderful about this church, is that the name of the city seems to have percolated to the, the atmosphere of the church. Today, that city is in modern-day here It's called Alice here in Turkey. Amen. And it, it was taken over by the Romans in 133 B.C. And at the time of Jesus was, of course, and the apostles under Roman control. So they worshipped, just like in Ephesus, many foreign pagan idols and Greek gods. But that didn't stop the church prospering. Amen. It wasn't that they were rich in money or had a beautiful building, but they obviously had a love for God and for his work. Amen. So we're going to study that church because we want to be the Philadelphian church. Amen. We want to be the Philadelphian church. Well, the epistle to the Philadelphian church is actually from Jesus himself and is found in Revelation chapter 1, starting at chapter 1 and verse 10. It says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, this is John, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches in which are in Asia. Unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Now, last week we studied about the church of Ephesus, and the the one flaw that they had was that they had left their first, their first love. They 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 they, they were hard workers, but just the the drudgery of life, the cares of life, sometimes makes you kind of. Just wake up and want to go back to sleep. Amen. You find it hard to just come out and do something. They had left their first love. And we see that uh, the Philadelphian church is mentioned second to last. But there is a mystery there about these candlesticks that we're going to see. Because remember now, where were candlesticks found before in the Old Testament? In the tabernacle. But it was not revealed what they meant, what they represented till the New testament. Let's read that. Revelation one17. and when I saw him, when John saw this vision of Christ standing in the seven, between seven candlesticks, he said, "I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Almost every time there was an angelic encounter. In the Old Testament, the first thing the angel would say would be what? Fear not. When you're in the presence of God, when he comes to visit you, do not fear. That's a glorious experience, amen? I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. This was the risen Christ speaking to to John and declaring to him who he was, if he had any doubt. And then he told him some specific things. See, in the New Testament, most of the... The books in the New Testament are historical. That is, they tell a story of what Jesus did or what the apostles did. Some are, 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 are um, epistles, which are letters. But John is really the only major revelational book that foretells uh, and is prophetic in the New Testament. It is the major prophetic book. And so John was specifically told to write what he had Heard and seen the things which are, the things which shall be hereafter. And then he's being given revelation. He's being given some, some some insight that no one had at that time. It says, The mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And that word there means messenger in the Greek. The messengers of the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So what's being revealed here is that even in the tabernacle, God had a mystery and a purpose for the seven candlesticks that was not revealed until the New Testament. In fact, Paul speaks about the church that was in the wilderness. The church that was in the wilderness. That every time they let one of those candlesticks... It was representative of God's future fulfillment for me and you. Being in the church. Amen. In his presence. Where was the church, the candlesticks located? In the holy place. That's where we should be all the time. That's where the church, the candlesticks were in the tabernacle. They were in the holy place. Amen. The Bible says that we, we have not come to a, we have come to Mount Zion. We've come to a special place. When we come here, although it's just a building, it's also a place where we worship, where we pray. And although this building is not the church, it is where we have church, where we experience a touch. Amen. And in the Old Testament, the tabernacle was where they experienced God. And symbolically, the candlesticks represented the church. And now the mystery is being revealed to John. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels or messengers of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So God chose seven churches in the New Testament age that kind of represents all types of churches. You had the The church of Ephesus, which were hard-working. You had the church of Smyrna, where they were being martyred and being killed. You had the church of Pergamos, which is where uh, it's described as Satan's seat. And I always make the joke, when people ask me where I'm from, I say, Pergamos. Amen. Some Some look at where we are as Satan's seat. Amen. Every night you look at the news, there's someone been shot, someone been killed, some terrible thing happened. But here is the the wonderful thing about that. The Bible says, where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. God's mercy and His grace is going to be focused on the place where there's trouble. Remember, it's the gates of hell that shall not prevail. God is taking the fight to Satan. It's not the gates of heaven that are under attack. It's the gates of hell. Amen. So although we're living in in a city and in a place where maybe there's all kinds of things going on, the Bible says that where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. God's grace and his love and his favor is still available wherever you are. Amen. So one of the things that Jesus starts to reveal to him and tell him that he has a key he tells him, I have the key of David. Now this is very mysterious because there is not much reference to that. And you have to go all the way back into the Old Testament. Let's read it. And it says, Unto the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy and he that is true. He that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. Wow. He's telling this church, Listen. Because you have been faithful, because you you have shown love, I have a key that can open some doors. I tell you, when God opens some doors, no one can shut it. Amen. And when God shuts some doors for protection, no one can open it. It was God that shut the door on the ark. Noah went in and it was seven days. And then the Bible said that God shut the door. There was no opening that door once God had shut it. Amen. And if God opens a door for you, there is no one who can shut it. Amen. We need to understand that he has the key. Hallelujah. He has the key. He says, he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. So what is he talking about? What does he mean to the, specifically to the Philadelphian church? What he's saying, Listen. Because you've been faithful, because you have been missionary minded, I'm going to give you more souls. Because that's how it works. Remember the parable of the talents? The one who did nothing lost what he had. But the one who only had two and made two more, he said, blessed and and welcome into the, the blessing or the joy of the Father. And the one who had five, to him was given more. So we see that because the Philadelphian church was faithful, God is saying, I'm going to open even more doors for you. Look at this. Second Peter 1.10 says this, Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. And then verse 11 is the key. It says, for so an entrance, God will open a door. So an entrance shall be ministered or served to you unto you abundantly god will open a door abundantly amen if you if you if you go about his business with diligence he will open a door abundantly he has done that for me so many times open a door of abundance open the door of blessing open the door of deliverance because he has the key amen now the thing about david that is that god said about him was what What's what sticks out to you when you say David? What's something that God said about David? Is a man after his own heart, and that is the key to getting the key. When we are, our heart is towards God. When our heart is about His business, He will be about our business. Amen. You can't outdo God. Hallelujah, because He is faithful. Hallelujah. And this is what Second Peter is saying. He says, "For so an entrance, a door will be opened." and minister or serve to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God will make a way when there doesn't look like there is a way. Isn't that awesome? Because there's been many times when I'm shaking my head I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how I'm going to get... And God miraculously comes and makes a way. Amen. Because He has got the key of David. And when he opens the door... No man can shut it. Now, when we study about this key in the Old Testament, it was held by David's um, senior minister who was over all of his household. And the name is also interesting, Eliakim. So we find in Isaiah 22, verse 20, it says this, And it shall come to pass in that day that I will call upon my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, And I will clothe him with thy robe and strengthen him with thy girdle. And I will commit thy government into his hand. Now Eliakim in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word means God sets up or God raises up. I tell you what, when we're humble before God, he will raise us up. He will put us where he wants us to be. And it says here that Eliakim, that's his name, the one who God raises up. I will clothe him with thy robe and strengthen him with thy girdle, and I will commit thy government into his hand, and he shall be father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. God was using this symbol of this man actually as a symbol for his future son. Eliakim, God sets up, God raises up. What did Jesus say to John? I am he that was dead and now is alive. And because of that I have the keys of David. He also said in Matthew 28 that I have the key of hell and death. Amen. Verse 22, and the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder. And and so he shall open and none shall shut. And he shall shut and none shall open. This ties this scripture to the one in Revelation so that you can see who it's really referring to. And I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place, and he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. Sometimes in the Old Testament, it would take someone's name and use that man's story in a symbolic way for Jesus. And we can see that this is happening here because this is the only time it mentions in the Old Testament the key of David. But I'm telling you, when you have God's favor... And he opens that door. There is no shutting it. Amen. There's no one who can take your blessing away. That's why we should be happy. I tell you what, we should be happy when someone else gets blessed. We should pray for someone else's blessing. Amen. Because my blessing is coming. I wanted to say something, but I don't know how to say it without sounding. So, some time ago, I had a birthday, right? I had a birthday, and, and somebody, I think I think it was the church, gave me a card, and there was some money in it. But I had forgotten it here. I forgot it here. And then Saturday, or, or last week, Tuesday, I must have found it, and then I put it somewhere and still forgot it here. And then Saturday, uh, at uh, Brother Tony's funeral, there were two young men that came by, and Sister Mary said, They need help. And I said, well, I don't have any money. (laughs) Which I didn't have any money. And then it hit me. Yes, you do. (laughs) Yes, you do. You got that money in that envelope. And they said to me that they they had been sleeping in the parks and they didn't have any food or anything. And the Lord just said, go ahead, bless them. (laughs) So I took (laughs) that. And I said, they said they needed a bus fare to get back to Chicago. So I, I gave them the $50 each. Amen. And you know, it's better to give. I felt so good doing that. Amen. Yes, I could have used it. I could have used it. But you know what? God, when he opens the door of blessing, that blessing was not for me. It was, I was just supposed to be a channel. God let, me, let it stay here for a week. <laughs> and I was thinking... What, what if someone takes it? I came in and there it was. And then these two young men showed up. And they were shocked. They were expecting maybe $5, $10. And you could see as I gave it to them, their countenance changed. They said, we want to come back to this church. Amen. Now, whether they do or not, they, they, they saw that there can be a church that's not about taking, but about giving. Amen. Amen. And you know what? God always looks after me. He always looks after me. An entrance is going to be ministered unto you. That's what this, this book's saying. God was saying, when you, when you have the key of David and you're the Philadelphian church, a door is always going to be open for you. Matthew 16, 19. This is what he told the disciples. He said, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom. And whosoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whosoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now it's funny, this verse, because when I took Pastor Long and we went to eat, he brought up this very verse and we were talking about it. And um, we were discussing uh, what it really meant, because he was saying, and I have to agree, you don't see too much binding and loosing. So what does this verse really mean? Well, what it was saying was to do with saving people. If you read the whole context, it says, I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore and have the keys of what? Hell and of death, right? That's also in Revelation 1.18 because we need to make sure of where we're going. I don't know if you noticed that little um, Facebook thing I put on there that said, You don't have to worry about dying. You just have to worry about location. (laughs) Location, location, as they say in the real estate business. Amen. That's what you have to worry about because you're going to keep going somewhere, but where is your soul going to spend eternity? Let's look some more at what happened in the New Testament church. He promised the disciples that he was going to give them some keys, and the keys were to open doors of ministry. Let's look at this. In Acts 14:27. and when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. People who would not necessarily have believed. They believed in Zeus and Jupiter and Mars and Diana and all these Greek mythological gods. And yet because God had given them the keys to open a door of ministry and to unbind some strong spirits that were holding people's minds. That's the kind of key I want God to give us. Amen. If we're faithful to him, he will use us in ministry. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, it says this, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened. That's what we need in Milwaukee. That when we knock on a door, uh, that it's open. That not just the door, but the mind and the heart. That when we speak a word of truth, when we tell the gospel, do you know that Jesus loves you, that you can be saved, that you don't have to spend eternity, that that door of the heart will be opened. That's what we can pray, that God will open a door. Amen. Colossians 4.3 With all praying also for us, that God would open unto us, the door of utterance that God will give us the words to say. To speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. This was Paul again speaking from when he had been arrested. That he was still even in prison. He was witnessing to the guards. The, 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 the history tells us that they had to keep changing the guards. Because if they left them there too long he would convert them. <laughs> that they had to keep swapping out the guards because as soon as they stayed there, he started to preach to them and they would become Christians. So they had to keep changing the guards. Amen. Our witness should be just like that. That God is, that we're always looking for an open door because that's what he said to the Philadelphian church. I've placed before you an open door. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what we have to, hold on to the promise of the Philadelphian church is that god has placed before you an open door amen that you that, that satan will not be able to bind your witness bind your ministry amen shut you out that your work will be fruitful amen that's what we have to to pray for and 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 strive for that we become the Philadelphian church that's why they were praised they had god had jesus had nothing negative to say about that church but sometimes God does shut doors to protect us. Amen. Sometimes He shuts doors. There was a, a time Paul was going somewhere, and the Holy Spirit said, "Don't go there. Don't go there. That's why we always have to listen to the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit. We see in Genesis that God shut some doors, Genesis 7:15. And they went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh wherein is the breath of life. And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. When the Lord shuts the door, no one is opening that door. Amen. No one is getting in. Amen. Hallelujah. When God shuts you in for protection, no one is coming in there. Amen. Matthew 25 verse 6 says, And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Do you notice, of course, in this story that, all the virgins were sleeping. The wise and the foolish. They were all asleep. And really the church today seems that way to me. Not too many people preach Jesus is about to come. It's all about something. It's all about relationship or something else. But Jesus is about to come. And it, it just shocks me when I look at the church and what things are important. It's all about politics and, and uh and um, Chris, nationalism and Christianity mixing instead of the gospel message. Paul said, listen, I only know how to preach Christ. <laughs> I'm not preaching elections or politicians. I only know how to preach Christ and him crucified. But at midnight there came a cry, behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose, everybody woke up, I've come to the conclusion, this is my personal opinion now, that there will be a little warning before the rapture to those who are spirit-filled. I think there will be. I don't know that for sure. I just, I just believe that looking at God's dealings in the Old Testament. He said, shall I, shall I let my friend Abraham know what I'm about to do? And he did warn Abraham, didn't he? He said, I'm about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He gave him a little little notice. The Bible says in Daniel twelve, the wise would know. The wise would that's why we come to church so we can encourage one another, exhort one another, hear God's word, and know that we're in the time of the end. Amen. And at midnight there came a cry. There was a warning. Wake up. The bridegroom is coming. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready, let's say that, they that were ready, they that were ready, That's the phrase today. They that were ready went in with him to the marriage and then the door was shut. The very worst thing for a Christian I can think of would be to know that you missed the rapture. Because it's not like you're unsaved or, you know, you would know what's going to happen. You would know what's about to happen on this earth. You would not be ignorant. The worst thing that I can think of would be missing the rapture. Amen. And you've heard my story a million times. When I was eight, I thought I missed the rapture. (laughs) And I I called the police. (laughs) Called the police and said, my parents are gone and they're not coming back. (laughs) So, of course, they were really interested in that. How could these people leave their child... So they sent round. I got my parents in a lot of trouble. <laughs> but, but, they didn't allow me to get baptized after that. Amen. Amen. I didn't want to be left behind. Because the key not only opens, but it shuts. It shuts. The other thing he told the Philadelphian church is, listen, you have, you have had a little faith. You have shown a little strength. You know why Jesus used the mustard seed to illustrate faith? Because it is one of the tiniest of seeds. It's not some big, great, big thing. It's one of the tiniest of seeds. God was saying, listen, all you have to do is just have a little faith. He says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. No man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength. And hast kept my word. That's been my prayer this week. Lord, help me to just keep your word. To walk according to what you want, not what I want. And has not denied my name. Not denied my name. I want to make sure that I don't deny his name. Amen. I was looking up last night, um, for some reason, I don't know how I got onto that, I was studying all of these the oneness denominations, right? And and how it all started from Azusa Street. And the thing that split from the assembly of gods and all the others was the revelation of the name. Because truth will separate, you know? And, and when they read the scripture that says that Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, that was the revelation of who he was to so many people. And I want to be able to say that I have not denied His name in how I live, how I talk, how I witness, how I function. Because you've had a little strength. Listen what He says. Because you have a little strength and have kept my word, I'm going to do some great things. That's why I'm going to open the door, because you've had a little strength. In John 17, 6, Jesus in His prayer, His last prayer, He declared that He had manifested the name unto men. I have manifested, I've shown them. That Greek word means to make plain, so that they knew what a son of God was about. They knew he had said things like, Turn the other cheek. They knew he had said, if someone is fighting you about your coat, give it to them. You know why? Because God's going to give you a better one. <laughs> a glorious one. He he had presented what a son of God is he had got up in the boat and said, peace be still. He had given thanks over some bread and then it fed 5,000 people. He had manifested what the power and authority of a son of God is. He says, I have manifested thy name unto men, which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. Let's read that again. He says, For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and that they have believed thou didst send me. All we need is to believe. Have a little faith. Believe that Jesus is coming back. Believe that he loves you. Believe that you're his child. Believe that He's going to deliver you. Believe that He's going to take you through the valley of the shadow of death. Believe that He's going to lead you by still waters. Believe that He's going to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. That's all we have to have is just a little faith. And if you bury that faith in good soil, it's going to bring forth a harvest. A little strength. Amen. That's what it says. Amen. A little strength. And why? Because they have kept my word. How do you keep his word? How do you keep his word? They have kept my word. They believed him. They believed him. He said, I've come to do the work of my father. Well, What is the work of my father? Just to believe. We talked about Sunday about the Syrophoenician woman and how Jesus was insulting her to test her and said, well, you know, it's not me- for me to give you the miracles, the-, the bread that belongs to the children. And her answer was so astounding and so... So fantastic that Jesus couldn't not but help marvel. The Bible said he marveled. He said he had not found so much faith in all of Israel. All we need is to believe that God loves us. And that he still has a plan for your life. He still wants to use you. He still wants to take you to deeper depths and higher heights. Amen. It says, a little strength kept my word and has not denied his name. That's what he's asking for. That we... Do not deny his name. Now, one of the things that has happened in in, in the Philadelphian church is you're going to get opposition. You know, when you stand up and try and walk straight, there is going to be opposition. Sometimes it's, it's purely demonic, but sometimes he uses people. Amen. And in fact, that was predicted in Matthew chapter 10, verse 36. It says, a man's foes shall be they of his own household. That's when it hurts. It's when someone who is close to you—that's when it hurts, isn't it? Oh, that's when it really gets you. That's when it—when it's painful. When it's someone you've done good to, and multiple times, and they do you—they do you bad. That's when it hurts. Amen. This is what's happening to the to the Philadelphia church. There were people in close to them who were trying to destroy them. It says, "Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan." First church of Satan. <laughs> you know Satan has a church? It's within the church. He sends people into the church to have church. <laughs> which say which say they are Jews. In other words, we say they're Christians. And are not. They come to church too. But do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. You can't do anything to a child of God. God will make your enemies. God will make your enemies come and apologize. Um, I know this is streaming, so I probably shouldn't say it. Okay. Past past <laughs> Pastor Long was you know, we were we were reminiscing over the forty years of his ministry and being in the church. I saw a lot of things happen and you know he i was asking him where this one was where that one was where this one was and he was telling me and how over the years certain ones would come back to him and and apologize and said i was wrong wrong cuz i was i was i was telling him you know i don't know about this pastor <laughs> amen 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 but god will make if you're the Philadelphian church he says he will make them come back and worship before thy feet just to know That he loves you. See, Paul experienced this. And this is why we should have hope. If the great apostle Paul went through some stuff and he was the apostle who wrote most of the New Testament, then what about little you and me? Look at this, what Paul said. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness. He, he had a nonstop, active life, didn't he? It doesn't sound like he had anywhere where he could really rest in this world. In perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. And that's what hurts the most, isn't it? But nevertheless, he could have that, 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 that saying near the end of his life, and he said, I fought a good fight. Man, if we can say that, amen. If we can say, i fought a good fight, I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. Listen, Galatians 2.4, he says, And that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, and they might bring us unto bondage. He was always getting attacked. You're that murderer, Paul, who killed all them Christians. Didn't matter if it was 25 years ago. I'm sure there were people throwing that up in his face. Who are you? Listen to the next thing that Jesus says to the Philadelphian church. And this is the most important one. This is the one that we're going to need to get through. The word of my patience. It's going to take patience. You have to run this race, Paul says, with what? Patience. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience. What was the word? He says, you've kept my word. What word was it? It's revealed now. It's patience. It's patience. Because you don't see something happen right away. You've got to wait. They that wait upon the Lord. He shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as an eagle. That's it. Amen. But you're going to have to wait. Oh Lord, how long? (laughs) How long? how long, Lord, how long do we have to wait? I don't know. He said, go wait at Jerusalem until, 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 until you be endued with power from on high. You know, I speculate that there was probably a lot more than the 120. Maybe there was as many as 500 because Peter said that he was seen by over 500 people after his crucifixion. So I, I speculate that, there was a whole bunch of them, more than 120, but as the days went on, some couldn't wait. Man, it's been 20 days. How was, did he say how long we were? No, he didn't say how long. Well, how much longer are we going to wait? Nothing's happening. We've been praying and praying and praying, nothing. And then it's 40 days. <laughs> nothing happening, nothing happening. But on the 50th day, there came a sound. There came a sound as of a mighty rushing wind. You see, when you wait on the Lord, see the key is the word of the word that they kept. Here's the revelation tonight. wasn't some flashy message, wasn't some great oratory. It was patience. See, many of us blow it. Sister Mary brought up the reference to Saul when he wouldn't wait. The prophet had told him, "Wait till I come." He would not wait. That's what most of the mistakes, in, in, at least in my life, I'll point to me, have been because I've moved when God did not move. I was impulsive and I made a choice when I should have waited. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience. This is the key. I will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. The word that we have to keep is patient. Patient endurance. Patient endurance. That's what we have to keep. It's a fight. It's not a, a cakewalk. It's not an easy stroll. It's a fight. And to do that, it's he that endureth the same. Okay. The word of my patience. This is the strength of the Philadelphian church. Whatever they were experienced, they experienced it with patience. Paul says you got to run this race with patience. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. you got to pace yourself, right? You still have some miles to go. You can't think, okay, I'm going to run past him. Another couple hundred feet, you'll be going, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> not able to make it. You've got to pace yourself, right? You've got to pace yourself. This is a, a journey, and it's not a sprint. Amen. Revelation 14, 12, it speaks about it again. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. The Bible says in, in Daniel that he will try to wear out the patience of the saints. That is the, the, the key. I'm trying to say it over and over again. Whatever you're going through right now, hold on. Run this race. With, even if it's been 10 years. Maybe it's been 12 years. Our anniversary is 13 years. Even if it's been 13 years. If it's been 15 years. Or maybe it's been like Abraham. It's been 24 years and you're still waiting. But one day... He was sitting in his tent and he saw three men came. Guess what? The day had come. The day had come and God came and told him, This time next year, Sarah is going to have a son. At the appointed time. I preach that about God having an appointed time in our lives. Don't move before his appointed time. Don't leave the upper room before the fullness of time. Because God does everything according to his appointments. And it takes patience and trust and faith to stay the course. Amen. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Now, When do they rest? When we are either dead or in the rapture. Do you understand what that's saying? We're not going to, don't look for rest now. (laughs) You're going to be in a fight. Don't look for getting comfortable. Every time I think I'm getting comfortable, everything's going to be great. I don't have no problems and everything's going to be, I've had a, oh, this is great. I love it. Just just freeze this moment, Lord. (laughs) He doesn't do it. Amen. Because we're on enemy territory. Amen. Look for the fight. But here is the promise. If we will keep the word of his patience, he in turn is going to keep us. Let's say that word, keep us. Amen. From the hour of temptation. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew twenty-six forty-one, watch and pray. Watch and like Nehemiah when he was building the wall. They, they, they built the wall, but they had a sword as well. They were working and they were watching. Watch and pray that he enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Every time he told them, can you, can you pray with me? They fell asleep. <laughs> they fell asleep. Amen. The same thing happened in the Old Testament with Abraham when God was making his covenant with him Abraham went into a deep sleep and you know what God had to make the covenant by himself the same thing happened in the garden with the three with the disciples he said pray with me and they all fell asleep he had to do that prayer by himself the hour of temptation is coming upon this world when your sonship is going to be tried the early church went through persecution they were fed to wild animals They were martyred. They were burnt alive. We still had it good. The worst that happens is someone says something bad about us. (laughs) Listen. I will keep thee from the hour of temptation. Will come upon all the world. Now at the end of speaking to the Philadelphian church. And in all the churches. He always gives a promise. A blessing. Something good is going to happen. And. In the scripture he says there is a crown. I don't want anyone to take my crown. Amen. Revelation 3, 11 says, Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast the which thou hast. Let no man take your crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let the Spirit hear. If you could stand with me. See, there are five crowns promised, and five is the number for grace. Grace. There is the crown of righteousness, the crown of life, the crown of glory, the crown of rejoicing. Ooh, that's a hard one. He says, rejoice, I say, right? And the incorruptible crown. There are five crowns promised. All we have to do is keep his word of patience. I don't think there's any one of us not going through something. The Bible said, "He that is going to come is going to have to deny himself, and carry his his cross, his own cross, and follow me." Amen. But if we will just hold on, I don't think it's that long. I'm I'm not putting any dates, but I don't think it's that long. I I don't want to say what I think, but anyway, it's not that long. When they say peace and safety, sudden destruction. There's coming a cry very soon, behold, the bridegroom cometh. Church is going to be full the day after the rapture. (laughs) Church is going to be full the day after the rapture. But God wants us to be saved, hallelujah. And I want us to be all in the Philadelphian church. All we have to do is hold on and keep that word of patience. Hallelujah. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Help us to keep that word of patience. Help us to have just a little strength to believe you, Lord God, to trust you, to know that you love us. No matter what lies Satan is bringing in our way, no matter what circumstances present us, Lord God, we know that they are but for a season. Lord, and our season of suffering will pass. Hallelujah, we thank you again for your mercy and your grace, your goodness and your love, and we lift up your name and give you the glory in Jesus' name.